Hi, welcome back to Books and Broomsticks. I'm Kata Gwitchot. And I'm Matt Hatterplays. And today we have a guest. One of my favorite people in the whole wide world is Moses. Introduce yourself. Hey, everybody. I'm, uh, I'm working with my mute button here to see if it works. Uh, my name is Moses. <laughs> I am... Uh, I don't even know. How would how would you introduce me, Matt? I'm curious. Uh, well, I would introduce you as someone that I find to be a mentor to me and also a fantastic conjurer and root worker uh, and a Jewish practitioner, uh, Kabbalah, right? Well, so I, I don't love the term Jewish, actually, which is like oh, a okay. personal idiosyncrasy. Not in a like, oh, that's politically incorrect way. That's just uh, historically well, we can get into it. We can get into it. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess I'm a, a student of all things occult, esoteric, mystical, and, and spiritual for, I don't know, many decades now. Um, I have spent much time academically and personally uh, just studying and learning in these realms and practicing in these realms. Um, and that's been for the past half decade or so, really, the focus has been... Um, practicing professionally and now in the past few years teaching and writing and things of that nature um so i've kind of really run the gamut in um exposure to traditions although i try to mostly practice where i feel welcome comfortable and we'll say spiritually congruent uh, i love i love the way you uh just talk in general <laughs> i know that that's super bizarre but um, you're part of the reason that so many people have questioned what do I actually do is because I kind of follow in the same uh, footsteps where I'm like, I just do stuff and hope for the best. And and it's a, it's a very uh, traditional approach, right? Um, if you look at any of the old grimoires, they don't call them spells. They don't call them workings. They don't call them rituals. They call them experiments. And experiment implies some amount of hoping for the best. I love that, yeah. Um, and that's actually what we were kind of hoping to talk about today. Um, it's basically formulary and uh, how to put spells and workings together. Um, especially with what you're just saying, a lot of times it was never considered, this is spell work, this is working, this is, it's all been experiment, what works, what doesn't, um, but it all kind of boils down to needing some sort of formula, right? So it's interesting, right? Because the idea of formula leads us to the idea of formulaic, right? That what works for me will work for you. We get to this very, you know, formula is a very scientific idea. Mm -hmm. Um what works for me will work for you. What works in my laboratory, which is what old practitioners would call their ritual spaces. Uh, so you're doing experiments in your laboratory, calling a demon, you know, with a circle drawn on the ground with the Solomonic seals and things like that. And then they would call that a laboratory experiment at some point in history. I think that's awesome. Um, regardless, right? In modern science, what works in my laboratory should work in your laboratory. What works for me should work for you. That's what makes something scientifically valid. Mm -hmm. That's not, in my opinion, true for, we'll use the term spell work. It's not absolutely true. There are fundamentals, but because there is a personal piece to it, if it's a generic form, a, a universal form, it's missing something. Yeah, it's kind be, of like a recipe. It's, uh, you don't yeah, that's funny follow. how we, 
<laughs> it's funny that we were just talking about that. Exactly, right? Like, it's exactly like a recipe where, you know, if you ask my mom for a recipe, it's very much a home stuff. She has a catering company, been catering for 20 years, more than that now. Um, but if you ask her for a recipe, she doesn't have a recipe. It's just she knows what tastes like what. She knows what the mixtures taste like together. She knows how the application of cooking techniques works. And then it's just a matter of mixing in those constraints. And so that's very much the idea that I like to approach what we'll say spell work with. Mm -hmm. um, now, ritual to me is always an essential component. If there's no ritual element for me, I know it won't work for me. And I'm, right. I, I hope the italics on for me are coming through. They are coming through. <laughs> I was going to say, to compare, I'm very much a person who I like, I do less ritualistic elements and more kind of repetitive elements. So if I'm doing a candle, I'm going to say a prayer about six to nine times. Um, and that's just kind of part of my magic, but I tend to do that more than a very kind of what I would consider ritual element. And that's what works for me. So, okay. Maybe, I, maybe I need to, to, uh, frame what I mean by ritual, right? Cause to me, that is ritual, right? You said Woo! candle, <laughs> you said repeating something a certain number of times. Yeah. You, so a ritual to me is when we are combining intentionally combining symbolic elements in physical action to affect the non-physical oh i love that definition because i guess my idea of ritual has always been very either ceremonialist or very wiccan like the you call the you do a protection circle and you do all of these things beforehand you say very very specific things so i would definitely call that a ceremony right like a wedding really? okay. ceremony has yeah. certain parts but the wedding ritual is the uniting of two souls that's universal everywhere but the ceremonies differ from okay. place to place do you I know what i'm saying those definitions let me get a pencil i'm writing this down i Hold. think we're i think somebody's recording it too oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> weird i think that might i'm gonna be go nice. back and be like let me take notes real quick um but yeah i think i like those definitions and i also think that those definitions are very much not specified is what i'll say in the modern kind of occult sphere we don't really get the this is what a ritual is and this is what a ceremony is but i guess it, it also differs from practitioner to practitioner so and and that's not to say that one's more important than another mm -hmm. but just that a ceremony is much more specific than ritual mm -hmm. i'd I I put it that way I also feel like um, one of the major issues with a lot of the uh, words that go around is because we're all so worried about um, muddying the waters or feeling like we're uh, stepping on somebody else's toes is that we don't actually specify any of our words. And that's exactly why you mm -hmm. run into situations like this one. And you know, um, I'm, 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 you know, that frankly, you said Jewish and I was like, well, I don't, I don't use that word. I, I use the word Hebrew. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and I'll use the word Israelite. Mm -hmm. Jewish specifically means, uh, so in Hebrew, the, the word Jewish would be Yehudi. That means of Yehuda. So Yehuda was one of the kingdoms of, 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 the, of the Hebrew people, is the southern kingdom of Judah, right? And that's where the temple was, and that's where the kingship was, and all that. Mm -hmm. But not all the descendants of the Hebrew people lived in that kingdom. 
There was a northern kingdom as well, which is where all the prophets were from, which is where more of the cultic practices, as they like to call them, uh, it's it was where the, they say that the southern kingdom is where the uh, political power was and the northern kingdom is where the spiritual life was. And so the term Yehudim, Jews, refers specifically to the people descended from that tribe of Judah from the southern kingdom. I don't have any indication that I'm that. Frankly, I have at least lore indicating that my family is from the tribe of Ephraim, which would have placed them in the northern kingdom. So I'm like, huh. eh. and this is a, I know maybe one rabbi who ever talks about this. It's not like most people just go with Jews. I do too, you know, but as a historical, you know, fact. And so I like to do this a lot. I'm a double Virgo. So I, I like to do this a lot mm-hmm. and I do the same thing with you know, as as Matt knows, I'm not really a big fan of how everybody uses the word witch and witchcraft. Oh my God, we were just talking about this episode. <laughs> Holy shit! Can we have a conversation about it? Yeah. I'm- so, so this is a deficiency of the English language. It's yes. not anybody's fault. Yes. Okay. Because in other languages, like almost every other language, and I don't speak a ton, but I know the words for these things in a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a difference between a magician, a sorcerer, a witch, a diviner, and then all of these are really subject headings. Because this comes up big, like really huge for Hebraic practitioners, because mm-hmm. we have laws forbidding certain practices, right? And when we translate to English, it says, thou shalt not practice magic, thou shalt not practice divination. No, 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 no. It says, thou shalt not practice this very specific form of blood divination. <laughs> thou shalt not practice this, you know what I mean? Because when we go into later yeah. texts, yeah, they're definitely doing cup divination. They're definitely doing oil divination. They're talked about at length in the right way to do these mm-hmm. in the rabbinic texts. So uh, taking this in a, in a total context, these things were different and we kind of just mash it all together. And anyone who's interested in this likes to call themselves a witch, a witch specifically in every culture, whether we use, you know, whatever word, makshefa in Hebrew, witch in English. um, It's actually not appropriate to say the Yoruba word for it, but the Yoruba conception of it, a bruja, anything related to that in, you know, Spain, Mexico, anywhere in Europe, the understanding is this is a person who has traded their humanity mm-hmm. for power, right? They I, traded yeah. their soul for power. Um, to add on, so I'm a, uh, last time we talked was like maybe two years ago. I recall. I was, I'm now an Italian American folk practitioner. I don't know what I was doing two years ago. I was all over the place, but in Italy, the term like for a witch is very different from the terms that were used for those who practiced folk magic and the understanding was that the witch was one who would cast the evil eye on people in order to get themselves up so they would be selfish and um they would do bad magic or inflict bad magic on people and i say bad magic very loosely it was usually like curses hexes etc um and the specific thing of a witch is they and this is the same idea that you encounter with with the idea of a skinwalker it's a person who trades their human soul mm-hmm. in exchange for power and yeah. to do that they give up their humanity right so they become these inhuman creatures yeah and every so- culture agrees this is possible right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i don't know that we want to agree that this is desirable mm-hmm. 
and I got in a lot of trouble many times for saying like, if you voted for Bernie Sanders, you're probably not a witch. <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> I mean, here's the and here's the deal too is we were talking linguistically. The origin of the term witch is a European term. It's like in English, the term witch, even if in other languages there are similar terms or similar translations. Um, the term which was relatively European and it was never used to like lift someone up and be a good thing. It was always to persecute people, which was a bad term. And a lot of the times the people who were persecuted were people of color, um, Romani individuals, indigenous individuals, uh, Jewish individuals. And so there's a reclamation of the term that I have like these discussions all the time. There's a reclamation of the term which as like a from a bad term to a good term but in reclaiming the term it almost feels like no one kind of looks at how that how the term was used and who it was used to persecute um because i mean becky from the suburbs probably didn't have an ancestor who was persecuted for being a witch i'm sorry becky if you're listening to this but, <laughs> well it's you know it's possible, right? A lot Maybe. of people were persecuted because because what it comes down to is, and this is where I think there's a lot of confusion, mm -hmm. because everywhere there have been these other things too. Yes, there was a recognition of witches. Mm -hmm. And there were also the equivalent of sorcerers in most cultures, which is kind of where I would fall. Um, and then a lot of other people, like we can use Mexican culture, right? There, there are brujas who are witches. Then there are hechiceras who are sorcerers, sorceresses. Yeah. But there's also curanderas. They all do magic. They all work, do quote unquote do, and, and there's magias, right? Mages, right? So they all do what we would consider magic. They would all, it's just, it's like there's a lot of different doctors, but you don't go to the proctologist to get your eye operated on. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, in the Hopi system, for instance, we have your, obviously, your medicine people who are there for all of your ailments and to empower. But you also have your water bearer, who is literally the person who can bring water to the desert. Mm -hmm. um, they all do what we would now uh, justify and call magic, but you don't go to a water bearer to fix your cancer. <laughs> if you and went to the wrong type of fixer in Southern Italy, you were fucked. Because uh, so you got to know which one you're going to. Uh, and if you're going to the ones, and they all have similar names, but they all took different terms depending on if they were men or women. And, and what it ultimately comes down to, right, is that there, our ancestors recognized that there are different types of people who work in different ways with spiritual gifts. Yes. And they are as different as different types of people who work in different ways with different physical gifts. Mm -hmm. So when I say it that way, that describes every different type of person doing every different type of thing, right? Mm -hmm. So so it's like equivalent. And there are these many different types of, you know, maybe, maybe not as diverse. Mm -hmm. But with all that said, I find that there's power in reclaiming these old terms and traditions. And I completely understand and respect the argument about, you know, trying to reappropriate a negative term and make it positive. Mm -hmm. I think there are legitimate questions posed by members of communities that have made those efforts around yeah. some of those words, questioning, you know, the degree to which those ended up being beneficial or effective. Um, and I think that it's worth thinking about both sides of it, right? Because I agree with that, yeah. 
when you come down to what and then we have to add the layer that like i believe we're all at least thinking magically in the and, and agreeing on the common level whatever we want to call ourselves that our words have power and that mm -hmm. words spoken before us carry echoes of what came from the past and so yeah if my ambition is to be more humane rather than less humane i'm going to set a different paradigm for myself if my ambition is to be less humane and i'm not here to judge um mm -hmm. if your ambition is to be less humane you know I, I think that's that's inherently miserable that comes with it but go ahead uh <laughs> then go you know full steam but you really got to do it if you're good that's the other thing it's like don't be like yeah i'm a witch i hex people like no you got to kill your kids and eat them like you got to do it if you want to do it, that, that's the deal. That's that's how you give up your humanity, right? Like yeah. that's you have to do something inhumane. It's not just standing in front of a black candle and being like, "I give you my humanity," right? And I'll say with this, you probably don't want to do that. Like, don't do that. I'm not. Don't I'm not that. advocating anyone do that. You know, don't don't murder. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, like, I, don't know. I I don't think that's a good thing to do. But if you want to do it and deal with the consequences of it. There's a reason the witches didn't live among the people in the village, you oh know? My God. Um, like, I'm just so saying. what I noticed too, online at least, is that, and this is within the past two years, because I started in the online sphere in 2020. Um, and within these two years, I've seen a huge expanse of not only terminology of which people refer to themselves, um, not just by witch, but also like branch of practices. Um, because like I see a lot of people now don't necessarily like even if they use the term witch they use very specific labels no one's just like I'm a witch they're like oh I'm an eclectic oh, folk green don't witch. say that no one no one don't sorry because <laughs> Be Becky sure is right Becky like, <laughs> Becky can you please stop listening to the podcast Becky, so we can turn say the no one <laughs> um, but no. so I see like because a lot of my friends who um are within hoodoo call themselves practitioners they do not call themselves witches um a lot of well my... in hoodoo very clearly witch is a bad thing yes right? that's and that's a in, very there's no there's no subtlety in that even in italian folk magic a lot of my because a lot of the people that i you know i hang out with who are also either italian american folk practitioners or italian folk practitioners we use the term folk practitioner um the only reason i use the term folk witch still is because i considered myself a witch for a very long time and it's kind of i'm not ready to desert the label so let me let me get your back on that actually let me undercut what i said before because you're actually justified on that oh. because as it turns out yeah yeah mm. because as it turns out this is not the first generation to use the term witch to be all inclusive of magical practice right that's been going on now for almost 75 years yeah there's a valid debate on you know does language change meaning and it, and it does right like this wouldn't be the first yeah. word that said the intention but there was no consensus they didn't they didn't like survey spiritual spiritualists or whatever around the world mm -hmm. and be like are you guys good with this right? <laughs> it was it was it was you know wicca specifically was like, no, we, we're going to connect. Like, there's questions as to the etymology mm -hmm. of the word witch, right? Because some say that, like, no, it comes from the root as same root as wisdom. And others say it comes from the same root as crooked or twisted. And some mm -hmm. say that it comes from the same root as outsider. And it does, doesn't come from all three. Those aren't the same root. Mm -hmm. So it's this idea to, like, shift the portrayal. And if I want to be frank, it was sort of a publicity stunt. 
Well, yeah, I agree with that in terms of the Wiccanization and the revival. Yes, I agree with that 100%. Because, like, look now and see how popular witchcraft is, how, like, and I say that term as the broad term, how popular it is, (laughs) how much capitalistic gain is getting off of it. And I say that as someone who's written a book about witchcraft and, like, the way that it's being used is if you look up witchcraft on Amazon, you're going to get, like, a lot of candles and herbs and so wicca and that 70s revival and gerald gardner succeeded in doing that publicity stunt because now it's like extremely popular and there's like millions of people who consider themselves witches but it is that etymology thing where i feel like there needs to be an ongoing discussion about it and so here's where I even grant you more, allow you to, to, to still use the term and grant yourself more grace because I, I sense the conflict in your voice. Right? <laughs> the yeah. truth is they did that without the benefit of Google and Wikipedia and all the resources we have now yeah. to disambiguate and understand further. Like we stand on their shoulders. We can choose to continue with it. We can choose to make corrections, but it's imminently not like a foul thing, right? Because it's mm-hmm. just like, yeah, these people working with the best information they had at their times, working in the cultural paradigms, they lived in a phenomenally different culture back then than we do now. Mm-hmm. You know, it was 20 years after World War II. Computing was not, the, the fact that you have most of human knowledge in the palm of your hand while you're on the toilet now was not conceivable, <laughs> right? So- <laughs> It's still barely conceivable. Are you kidding? I read research articles while I'm going to the bathroom. Don't mind me. I read about Gundafert, the Greyhound Saint, while I was on the John. Like, (laughs) I rest my case. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things that I think, like, because I, and even so, I don't know if you're familiar with Raven Gramasi at all. I am not. Okay, so he wrote a book called Italian Witchcraft. And was like, this is the old religion. This is Italian witchcraft. It's uh, Stregaria, your Striga. And every single Italian folk practitioner was like, what the fuck are you talking about? This is not. And it was, he basically created a whole new tradition of Italian-American revival reconstructionist witchcraft, which is really great. But the entire time touted it as this is what my parents taught me. This is the old religion. This is Ital- like this is the Italian witchcraft. So, you know, this brings us to an interesting point, though, like textuality and magic is a whole interesting discussion Mm -hmm. because, look, if you're going to put it on a book and not an electric format, which I think this is a paradigm shift we're approaching, Mm -hmm. um, things are going to be static and um, and no practice is static. I don't know any practitioner who is still exactly the same today as the day they started. or has a practice that does. So if you're taking a snapshot in time of a practice, that's all it can ever be. It's a photograph. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's not a stream. Um, yeah. And that's 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 a big difference. Uh, and if you look at a photo from me, there are many photos of me from 20 years ago that are embarrassing. And that is equally true of writings of mine, right? Like we grow. We yeah. our, our perceptions of what is right and good and desirable ought to change at least every seven years or something is really, really broken. Mine's uh, like two years, but yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm on, I'm speed running it. That's good. That's good. 
I've just gotten into a, into a lengthy Saturn oppression period, so I'm oh, like learning. Jesus. I'm learning about the long, slow lessons, becoming oh. old and stuff. I just turned forty, and it happens to coincide. So it's like the very archetypal, like this is forty. I have great news. I'm uh, Taurus Moon, so everything is on me is slow. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I am all fire and water, so I don't do anything slow. I have no patience, which my ancestors are a little pissed about. You um, burn and run. <laughs> but it's been a work in progress. Um, but yeah, I think that, and that's the thing is like, I still really love the book that I wrote and the book that's coming out as my first book. And I look at the criticisms of it and most of the criticisms are, I wish it had more information in it. I wish that it was more like expansive and knowledgeable. And I'm like, yeah, that's a fair criticism. But I also wrote the book as like a very bare baseline of like, if you're interested in witchcraft and you don't know where to start, here's a place to start. And then here's a bunch of other resources to get you going. Um, and, and I think, I think I, that resonates so much with me. I don't want to cut you off, but like, no, I feel that as I just, I just put out a book that was like, I made very clear that I don't intend for it to be comprehensive and that this would have to be a revised work and an expanding volume. And I was definitely like self-conscious about that, but the difference between zero and, you know, once you know what you're doing to learn a different, we call them tricks in hoodoo, right? So mm -hmm. to learn a different mm -hmm. trick, that's no big thing, but to learn how to conjure that's its own thing, you know, to get from zero to one is its own thing. Mm -hmm. And something I was just discussing with a colleague, right, was people were like, well, I thought you were going to give us, we we're doing a thing on the Psalms. And they were like, well, I thought you were going to give us a trick for every Psalm, you know, 150 Psalms, 150 tricks. And, you know, the, the, it speaks to, we can go back, I guess that becomes the undercurrent here is textuality and magic, right? And mm -hmm. it, it, it goes back to a paradigm of like, even, you know, in my life, how I learned, that would be an insane request to go up to someone <laughs> and be like, can you, can you teach me 150 workings or spells or rituals or whatever you want to call them? Yeah. I feel like there is no, you would have to devote decades of your life before you would that get access decades. to a fraction of that, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm still working on Psalm 23. Come on. <laughs> and I think what I realized too is because I know Moses, you're also present on the internet. I don't know how long you've been present on the internet. So um, present on the, I've been present on the internet a long time, present in this particular niche of the internet. I checked out for probably a decade and a half and checked back in. I checked out pre the social media period okay, good. of the internet. Um, um, and, and I'm, I am like very intentionally neither on TikTok nor on Twitter. Good job. I got, you have made the correct choice. decision. So um, even Instagram is like, I'm trying to, I try to make in Instagram a primarily output function. I try not to consume much of it. <laughs> um, but I, so there is like, what I realized is because I was very much on the internet starting in 2020. Like I have a YouTube channel, TikTok, Twitter. So I have like the whole nine yards. Um, there is like when you are creating content actively on the internet there's a perception and an expectation of what you're going to put in a book because i talk a lot about protection magic i talk a lot about uh, italian folk magic now and like i talked a lot about deity work for a long period of time and so there was an expectation that all of those would be in the book and very much like talked about because that's what i talk about on the internet now 
but I don't think people realize that just because I can make a 20 minute video talking about something doesn't mean that I can write a whole book on it yet. Well, and I think it's also a book is not an encyclopedia. Exactly. Yeah. They were like, I wish there was less crystal associations and more on protection magic. And I'm like, well, I'm writing this for someone who's never heard of witchcraft in their life or is who is a beginner. So of course I'm going to like try to cover a lot of bases and not, and make it short and sweet because I don't want to like devote an entire book to protection magic quite yet. Although I am thinking about it now. Right. That, that becomes its own book or that's where revised and expanded editions come out. This is again a question of, textuality patience Mm -hmm. right the idea that so many people are teaching themselves these arts and sciences but mostly the art side they teach themselves um you know at a young age is pretty first time in history Mm -hmm. sometimes i wonder if like how we got on this timeline was because of that if like the the accidental side effect of well because all right so if you go back on in the sort of side of underground magical history into the 70s, 80s, 90s, mm-hmm. um, you get into like uh, or one niche of it, mm-hmm. right? Um, the the weird branches of chaos magic mm-hmm. become like the kind of the Wicca of their time, right? You have yeah. people who are in the Church of Satan, but that's lame, like inherently lame. People are like, this is just we repackaged Wicca. But then like Temple of Psychic Youth is where I had a lot of exposure to people and um I ended up doing just people you would meet who were like, nah, this person's serious. They do a thing and, mm-hmm. and it works. I mean, we'll call it, you know, contemporary American folk magic ended up being people who messed around just with that system of you know, almost like ritualized chaos magic, if you will. A lot of sigil stuff, um, a lot of mixing different sensory inputs stuff, mm-hmm. and, and but very modern, right? Not very. A lot of masturbating on sigils. Sure. You work. know, that comes into it. I mean, as I like to say, with all folk magic, if it endures to this day, it was effective for somebody. Yes, <laughs> I agree with that. Um, also, Phil Hine followed me on Twitter the other day and I had a little freak out. He wrote Condensed Chaos. Oh, nice. Um, I was like, oh my God, he's talking to me. But um, in any way, shape or form, I think that's the thing too, is because I have a hesitation towards and this is i guess a hot take towards newer paradigms and ways of doing magic um and that hesitation comes from i guess i'm a folk practitioner i take really really old methods and either use them exactly the same as they were or change them the most minute way because like let's say i don't have a like i don't have a bone of sheep today so i'm using cat bones um so but and i ethically source cat bones i have to i have to specify always make sure that we are specifying that everything we have everything i have is ethically sourced when it comes from an animal but so i don't have a sheep a sheep bone so sheep scapula so i'm using ethically sourced cat bones or ethically sourced deer bones um but so when i see kind of new paradigms of witchcraft or occult I think I'm a little hesitant and that doesn't mean that it doesn't work I'm also like have some elements of chaos magic in my practice I'm aware that if it works for someone they're gonna do it but I think I'm I'm tailor I'm I've gotten to the point where I'm like well I've never heard of this before tumblr so how so there's like four sides to this of course I'm ready there's you know the first person who started the tradition just 
whether you want to say made it up, received inspiration, had it whispered in their ear by the gods, whatever, whatever paradigm you want to work with. Mm-hmm. They didn't get it from anybody. Somebody started the stuff. Yeah. So we have that side of things. So we know that it is possible, at least in some instances, for a human to intuit, gather, divine, by, by whatever means, get this stuff right. Yeah. My premise on that is that, well, that's, that's based on an understanding of the, you know, universal laws. So it's not about like, oh, I figured out this, that no one sat down and was like, huh, how do I get someone to love me? Well, maybe if I had a frog bone, right? Like that, that's not how that started, right? There was an application of universal laws to, to make that come about. Mm -hmm. And the knowledge of those connections and those applications is kind of what makes it all work right we, we mm-hmm. call that the chain of sympathy the law of correspondences the doctrine of signatures like mm-hmm. these those three basic laws and and the others around magic and kind of like the the sort of contemporary you know we'll call it modern and postmodern sense um and that's all in there mm-hmm. when we step outside of that so that's not there for the new stuff on tumblr right there's there's no that because that's usually why no one learned magic till they were much older in life Mm-hmm. Um, because they'd be learning those laws. That's what you would do. You would apprentice for someone who did this stuff. And you would learn how, I don't know, you know, literally how the world works. Yeah. And then you would learn how to hack how the world works. Mm-hmm. That piece is, you know, that's one side. We have people missing that uh, in the in the sort of like, this is just invented for Tumblr. We know that people can sort of uniquely derive things. We also know, though, that the world is just basically different. We live in a much more information-rich world now. Mm-hmm. Right. Our most ancient ancestors had whatever notches on a stick, maybe crude markings on a wall, maximum of recording of information. And so uh, humanity, blood outnumbered in, uh, information back then. Well, now information outnumbers blood crazily. So that must change something. Right. Mm-hmm. And now to speak for my practice, like I'm basically with you, Frankie, like I'm, I'm, you know, Although I, I use a modern grinder to do it, I, you know, but I'm in there like powdering up human bones to paint on my altar and stuff like I'm, nice. I'm ethically sourced. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm I love okay. that that's ethically sourced is the new uh, just random pause. If you ever want to think well, about something, we have to specify because yeah, what right. if someone's like, where'd you get the human bone? I ethically sourced them. Yeah. yeah, Moses, where did you ethically source and, your and human legal, bone? Ethically and legally sourced. Ethically and legally. Nice. Well, I'll just say, I'll say this. When you donate your body to science, it does not go where you think it's going. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I Google it. Google it. It's for real. Um, I I have a large fear. I know this is like the most random of all the tangents, but I have a terrible fear that I'm going to end up in a body works uh, museum thing at one point, and I ain't about that. <laughs> I mean, you you get a say in it, man. I'm Are dead. You? No, no, you get to write a will. You can say what you want done with your remains, and people got have to it. Make that. sure that it's in my will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's it. The, your last I, will and testament. So your, I think your will grants people your stuff, but that last testament is like, this is what I want you to do with me. Great. <laughs> <laughs> One last consent trip. Let's go. Oh my god. <laughs> I love good consent trips. We can have a moral, we can do one of our moral riddles. We were doing a lot of those yesterday. Um, but yeah, I think that, I mean, and that's not to say that because we talked about this the other day, Matt and I did. Um, 
if I feel hesitant towards a particular path uh, or a particular tradition or whatever, I'm not going to sit there and tell you that it's wrong. I'm just going to go about my business. Like you will never hear me get up in your business and be like, this is wrong because of A, B, and C, or this is Dude, actually- It's work. like fighting over a chicken soup recipe. Yeah. Like it's mm-hmm. like, if it works for you, then it works for you. It doesn't matter what I think about it. Like, it doesn't matter what, it, like, I don't really care if it started on Tumblr, if it works for you, fantastic. So here's an interesting Swiss too, right? Because the caring about if it works for you is a social, like that wasn't part of this until social media. Yeah. Because social, and, and I don't blame anyone except the social media companies who have, have done the research. Now we know the documents have leaked. We know they know. We know that this is the agenda, right? They're trying to make us all compete mm-hmm. because they know that that'll keep us interested. And that'll and keep so, their uh, algorithm going. Yup. And that keeps us looking at advertisements and that keeps them paid. And that more importantly, that keeps us, right? This is what they know. They know that if they can stress us, we will participate more. And if we participate more, we will generate more data. And if we generate more data, they will have an ever clearer picture of us. Right. And again, this is not me just being science fiction. This all just came out in like Congress. Right. Um, And we know these same companies are the ones working in virtual virtual reality, working in artificial intelligence. Like this is the technocracy that's going to take over our world by making us fight each other over everything that we don't know anything about Mm -hmm. i'm gonna i'm gonna not i'm gonna try to pick a topic fuck all these topics are really hot i feel like as a culture we're pretty much past vaccines has the has the moment of that That, i mean everyone's still doing it but we don't care about anyone who's anti-vax so yeah yeah yeah. are we still fighting about it oh i guess we're not fighting about it we're not you're talking to two people who stay in their lane like chronically yeah, no, that's why we're talking, right? Like, yeah. that's what I've been trying to do, right? No, you can go ahead with the vac. Uh, any well, kind of I'm trying to find something that, because, like, I, you know, any of these issues that we're all fighting about, if we didn't look at our our social media, none of us would even know there was a fight going on about it. Oh yeah, yeah. no, that's 100 percent true. I mean, we'll take that uh, for instance. My mom does not realize the amount of people that are still like super anti-vax bs people Mm -hmm. um whereas i'm triple vaxxed and staying in my house um but that's something that i'm well informed on Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah it's any time that there's just any kind of argument um racially charged especially if you're not on social media a lot of it doesn't affect you as much as you would want it to be Mm -hmm. Uh, for instance i'm native american my mom has no idea about all of the um, indigenous fighting that's happening, uh, people fighting against indigenous people that's happening because she's not on social media. Right, so you get you get like a twofold, two sides of this, right? Because on the one hand, it's a, I don't even want to say double-edged sword, right? Because on the one hand, there's the blade that cuts and on the other hand, there's actually a boon. It's not a sword at all because we have, we have the fact that like, talk about activism. If the goal of activism is to inform and to um, galvanize and, and cause activity, Mm-hmm. I guess we have information. I don't know how much activity, like, I mean, some people saw some shit on Instagram and went to Ukraine to go fight. Like, so that's activity for real. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know how much activity we have versus reposting. I don't know if that counts as activity. I think it's, we have an issue with the integrity of that process. I find it interesting because I feel like, at least on TikTok, there are fights and conversations that matter. 
And then there are fights and conversations that don't matter. And I noticed that most of the time, a lot of people take part in the fights and the conversations that don't matter um, versus the Mm. ones that have like real world application and should be talked about. So I, I, this is, this is me speaking from, from kind of cultural L. So my, my basic academic background is in cultural anthropology, right? So I've been kind oh my of God, watching this unfold. I want to go to unfold. grad school for. So I went to grad school for writing, but I went to, to undergrad for cultural anthropology, just because the politics of uh, academia, like if you go to grad school for cultural anthropology, what are you going to do with that? You're going to go get a PhD and then you got to be an academic. Mm-hmm. It's not, um, you know, what, you real, don't want to be trapped in a museum forever? I would love to be trapped in a museum forever, but you'd have to be tenured for that. And they don't let that happen anymore. But <laughs> game, game done changed. Uh, fair. <laughs> tenure? I would, what the fuck is that? No, I've had to build my own museum, dude. I mean, that's what I've had to, like, I have relics and a library. And, like, this is what I, I just am slowly building. I don't know. Manly P. Hall is a big inspiration for me. And what he did nice. with Philosophical Research Institute is uh, incredible, incredible body of work. And if I could accomplish one hundredth of that over with Holy Mountain, I guess I haven't talked about Holy Mountain at all. That's, no. Where is this? What is this? Can I come over? Yeah. Well, so the 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 plan for like, you know, we'll bridge these topics. The plan for coming onto social media for me was to. Well, originally it was just to record what I was doing and record, then became a, uh, record my experiments. Then it became uh, recording my personal growth through the process. Um, and then it became like, once it started becoming capitalistic, I was like, well, this is going to compromise all this for me really fucking quick. But it took up so much of my time. I had to pay the bills, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so then I was like, how can I do this and feel good about this? So I was like, well, I'll start a nonprofit. And then I started really exploring the options for it. And I was like, well, here's a audacious and nonetheless being the double Virgo. It is the, the absolutely accurate uh, thing. I uh, started my own religion Mm -hmm. because we should all have the same protections as the Catholic church does for these beliefs, right? They're, they're the, are deeply held like I live my life around this stuff. My wife commented like when she's like, when you're going through a hard time, you spend like two hours a day praying and, and just, you know, she, it, using the, the prayer of the heading, praying for everything, you know, the, the candles and the trance and air, everything. Right. But, um, you know, that's, that's a religion, whether, whether there's an, an established organized religion for it or not. And I was like, well, yeah. And now thinking again, as I was just saying, in sort of that idea of like paradigms and universal laws, just like there's a lot of different expressions of Christianity, there's a lot of different expressions of this religion, and I'm not going to remotely claim to be the sole expression of it. So my, and, and I'm not trying to just claim religious protection for that, right? I claim protection for folk and ancestral traditions writ large, um, by kind of establishing certain laws that basically, especially in the current time and place, we are both spiritually and materially recombinations of more broad and diverse heritages than ever before. And this leads to us being um, rather uniquely constituated in most of our parts, right? Like I always like to say, you have twice as many ancestors as both of your parents. Mm-hmm. Right. Or, or either, sorry, each of your parents, because you have oh, as, exactly as many as farmers. Right? 
That was off so, topic. I'm so sorry. But <laughs> but what? Well, no, if we're gonna go like that, let's keep going though. Because really, were they? Because at some point, you must have had some ancestors who were, I don't know, cave dwelling hunters. Oh, they probably were, but right? recent ancestors were farmers. Yeah, it's interesting how we frame ancestors typically in the 200 to 500 year range, I know, which is but like we don't think about our ancestors. <laughs> yeah, and some traditions make a difference there between named and unnamed ancestors. That is, ancestors who existed before the human technology of names, being sort of these very um, pre-civilized ancestors. So we don't, you know, and they and they avoid them generally speaking because you know they they would elicit you know pre-civilized behavior. Um, it's interesting how like spirituality and civilization co-evolve alongside each other. How we get to you know the Abrahamic faiths as a doctrine of civilization, and how these things yeah. become challenging now in a time where the paradigm and model of civilization has started to decay. And mm -hmm. so where does this all kind of prep? Because it is, a, it, and this is where it's interesting on the internet. Let me bring us back to our topic of textuality, right? Mm -hmm. Because hashtags and algorithms do a really interesting thing to compartmentalize information um, and require definition. So you were saying before, Frankie, how people just use very specific terms. Mm -hmm. That's a result from my perspective of this, like hashtags being yeah. a way to get seen because you wanna, that's exactly, you. if you, you use the hashtag, which there's fucking 150 million people using that hashtag, nobody's gonna see your content straight up. Mm -hmm. You wanna be just specific enough. I'm not, I mean, I'm not here to teach social media to anyone, but this is the reality of it, right? Just by mm -hmm. course of evolution. Yeah, no, I mean, and that's the thing is you'll notice my hashtags went from witch talk to Italian folk magic, deity worship, deity work, because I want to be specific. And that specificity has caused me to find people who are like similar, very similar practices to me that who we can have discussions with um, and learn from. And we go come full circle because again, that is exactly what social media is. I said they're trying to cause tribalism. They're trying to break it. I mean, not to cause strife necessarily, but to keep us activated, right? They want mm -hmm. us excited. And because it, give them the benefit of the doubt for a second here. I don't want to see a bunch of shit I don't care about. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Like, yeah, the Shark algorithm's even more crazy about it. Like, I've never seen some an algorithm that smart in my life. I think that we're starting to see a um, a change in how algorithm is pushed, though, because you're right. They need to consistently have us engaged and debating and arguing. Um, but I do think that they have changed the game a little bit where they need to focus what we're fighting about. Because I did notice that a lot of issues that would be just as large as say uh, what happened with the BLM movement has stopped being pushed as hard. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's because they saw what happened when people come together is that they can actually have real world implications. And as much as they love the engagement and all of that, they can't have that on their heads. So they start setting up uh, like new guidelines for the AI to make sure that that kind of stuff doesn't get pushed as much anymore. I mean, all these guys are getting dragged in front of Congress and stuff. So you better, oh, yeah. you better believe they're they're responding in some way or another. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So they're doing it in ways where they're like, okay, well, let's make sure everyone's fighting, but it's not going to be things that they fight about that's going to have large scale real world complications. Mm -hmm. Or or all now, you know, get let's get them all united against the common enemy or fight about that, whatever. 
Textuality is interesting in that regard, though, right? Because when we get outside of and this is where like different formats, like I always think it's weird that I'm on Instagram because I'm such a word person. I'm visual, too, but I'm a word person. Like I should be podcasting more, or YouTubing more or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be fair, I, I did start by just posting pictures with no captions. So when it was just a journal, that's what it was for me. Yeah. But it's interesting now to be dealing with all these concepts and doing it now in the concept of Holy Mountain and having fundamentally uh, a religious temple. So to finish your question, Matt, right? The idea was to get a place, but I literally signed the papers the like to start all this stuff, the Mar- March 2000. And then I was like, oh, it's probably not a good time to rent a public space because COVID had just started and all the public spaces were like, all the churches were closing and stuff. I was like, this is not gonna go well, mm-hmm. especially something niche like this. So for now it's at my house. Um, the temple itself is in the backyard and the temple's a, I don't know, it's a smaller structure. It fits about three or four people in ritual, depending on how we have it arranged. Um, and then everything else is condensed. The basement is the, so I'm going to use the term laboratory and I'm not going to use it in the ritual space sense. I have kind of like a, a crude alchemist lab. And that's also where I do all my, well, it's, it's, it's a botanical extraction lab down there. Uh, it's where I make my colognes and my oils, incenses, you know, just do the actual, um, you know, compounding, <laughs> compounding lab, we might call it. This um, is something that we need to talk about. Um, Moses is possibly the most... I feel like I have fucked up in my life accidentally breaking mercury uh, thermometers. Moses is the one doing it on purpose. <laughs> I do have questions. Yeah, oh, I why? want to give answers. Why? why? Why did I? Why have I worked with elemental mercury? Yes. Because first of all, it's I, uh, as my daughter has pointed out to me, I like risks. We were just playing Super Mario Brothers before I got on the call, and she uh, <laughs> pointed out to me. Dad, you take so many risks. Um, but, you know, I, I try to always evaluate the stakes. Uh, I have a mercury spill kit. I have, you know, proper ventilation. I have, you know, proper precautions. And so within those constraints, uh, I work with, uh, you know, mercury dimes, silver mercury dimes, which are, you know, used in a lot of conjure traditions. Mm-hmm. So I have a handful that I was like, let me fix those with actual mercury, you know, because it ain't accidental that it's called mercury, right? In every yeah. tradition, there's a connection between that metal. Um, and there's people, I mean, if you talk to like about your grandparents' generation, maybe depending on how old your parents are, they used to play with it in their hands in school. I know my, my mom was talking about that the other um, day. Certainly play with it on the desk. And mm-hmm. science teachers will still do it. They just don't let kids do it for liability reasons, which is bullshit. So see. Um, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not just going to rant about, you know, the failure of American society. That's a whole different podcast. <laughs> that that would be. I know about failure of American society. I didn't know that California and Mexico were connected. I can't. Wow. Yeah, yes. that's American education for can you. I, can I, I throw can I throw something else to you that's gonna blow your mind? Yes. Louisiana is like right across the Gulf of Mexico from Mexico. What? No, it's right <laughs> Florida. Hold on. Oh my god. So I Frankie they taught please. US geography in middle school, and in middle school I was abroad. I was like international. So I know 
European geography pretty okay, um, but well, I don't know anything about U.S. geography. Pull up a, pull up a map of North America. I just, I'm doing it. I just. Is it really? Yeah. Oh my God! There's water next to Louisiana. Ah! Let Let's not. Let's just go just in terms of folk magic. Uh-huh. Separating quote unquote Mexican folk magic and quote unquote Louisiana folk magic hashtag Louisiana folk magic in the time of our ancestors that we all seem to idealize in that two hundred to five hundred year range. Mm-hmm. First of all, Texas was part of what was then New Spain, not Mexico. Yeah. Second of all, slaves were traded right across that little bit of water because there wasn't railroads. There wasn't highways. Mm -hmm. The fastest way to get around anywhere was by boat. Mm -hmm. So people have all these massive debates, even at the academic level, about who got what from what, cultural appropriation, this and that. People were moving back and forth between these places against their will pretty regularly. And these ideas that were successful in helping people to survive in those situations were preserved wherever they worked. And if you look at Florida, I mean, all along there, around that Gulf Coast, down on the south there, into Mexico, uh, and then you go into the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. And then you just look like right across that. I mean, and down into South America as well. Um, again, cooking seems to be this other paradigm we keep coming back to in the best way mm-hmm. to, for me to think of magic is to think of cooking because first of all the, the the mindset is very much the same that it's partially scientific partially intuitive um it's it is it is created to taste right some people i don't like cream cheese period doesn't matter i like cheese i like cheesecake i like jalapeno poppers but a bagel with cream cheese is disgusting to me has been my whole life most people love cream cheese everybody i've ever been in a family with you know both my family of origin and my family of creation mm-hmm. love cream cheese I don't love cream cheese. So taste is a thing, right? And I, I account for that. Um, and there's there's a there's a similar thing in magic, right? Because it has to do with harmony and resonance and has to do with, um, you know, essential sympathies with your character, with your nature as a practitioner. Um, so it just comes around to like what you, there can't be, to go to the original point, there can't be a, a universal formula. It comes sort of to the idea of like, okay, well, actually, they do have a formula for they have a formula for a pop song, not mm-hmm. a formula for a good song. I think there is a formula for a pop spell. And those are the memes that we often see. But mm-hmm. I don't know that anyone has, you know, it's the same thing for or I like to say all the time teaching magic. It's like trying to teach lovemaking, right? Like if you do it exactly the way a book says or if a book says exactly what to do at some point, that's not going to work out for you. Right. Like you have to there's an amount of presence and intuition and um interactivity that makes it dynamic you can't approach it like this static thing mm-hmm. um yeah i mean the function's right but the the king ain't there you know what i mean oh my god <laughs> yeah i was trying to be classy about it but it's your podcast no, I, 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 no, no. Like, hey, classy. anyways on the carbon we, can yeah but do we have any final thoughts please don't burn too much tobacco rustica i don't want to see you get inhalation poisoning oh so God. so far my experiments with it have gone wonderfully um i use it sparingly on top of bowls during certain rituals and it does the job very little does the job it's great excellent 
That's all I, I have left at this very moment in time. I worry about you. You're important to me. Well, so here's what I want to say. There are two ways that people in my profession typically pass away. One is in the carriage of the profession. And the other is, uh, what do they get called? Penniless charlatans is usually the word. That's usually if you look at like Galileo, many of the, or, or way more recently, if you look at like the great mages, the people who are considered great in their times, they end up dying. If you look at their biographies, they all get told, you know, die penniless uh, charlatans is kind of what they're considered. And then history remembers them greatly. But shit, if I got to go one way or the other. Fair enough. Is this the time to plug myself on social media? Yes. Yes. Excellent. Uh, <laughs> you guys can follow me on Instagram at holymountain.co. Um, I infrequently go on Twitch, but you can follow me on Twitch at Hoodoo Moses. I think those are my main channels. YouTube Hoodoo Moses, but again, that's that's as infrequent as Twitch. Really, it's Instagram. I don't know. I got two little kids and uh, a whole religion to run, so it's busy. It's busy. I got I a whole I, religion to run. Um, well, this has been Books and Broomsticks. I'm Chaotic Witchhunt. And I'm Matt Hatter Plays. And we will talk to you guys next week.